Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Posters and welcome to the last post, the post-final word in this, the most post-final of worlds. Today's episode is for the month of April of the year 2021. We come live to you from this alternate dimension because our sponsors are dropping off, mainly due to the obliteration of Earth by the Boris Johnson slash Piers Morgan love dragon baby's hunger for attention, controversy and innocent flesh. So we pierce the veil of space-time to bring you the lush luxury space station satirical news commentary you deserve and according to my agent, will pay for. And our guests today, from New Camelot, one of the final two contestants slash survivors in the royal family's recent bloodbath, welcome back to the show, John Luke Roberts. Oh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for thank you for having me. It's a delight to have you too. Uh, it's nice to talk to anyone down there on Earth. I'm always thrilled when we get in contact with one of our previous guests to know that they're still uh, at least vaguely intact. And uh, from the lonely splendour of his matryoshka house, which is all of his celebrity mansions stacked inside each other, Andrew Zaltzman. Uh, hello. Uh, hello, Alice. Uh, is, is, hello. Is, is, that, is that you? Is, is, is that, is yes. That, yes. You're the first, yes, it is me. You're the first person I've spoken to since the 31st of December. You seem to be wearing new branded merch. Is that... Well, you have to keep up standards, don't you? I mean, it's been a difficult time for everyone. What is it? What was the like 90, 95% of the population of the world wiped out? I mean, that doesn't Gone. mean well. It doesn't mean that much to the people who who've remained. But for someone like me, that's that's 95% of my audience that have just <laughs> just just gone over. And so yeah, I'm just trying to keep keep hope. You know, you know. I just I if you give away the hope that you can one, once again one day sell branded gear, you might as well give up everything. So I'm I'm clinging to that. Just to be clear, is is what you're wearing a, a branded Zaltzman mining helmet? Uh, it's it's not. It's no. It's it's just a it's a woolly anti-radiation and asteroid hat. It's, it's not and right. You can see it's not it's not a hard, it's not a hard, <laughs> and and it has this 
because you know people look to celebrities like me to provide light in, in the darkness and uh, with this hat I can I can literally provide light they're available for, <laughs> if anyone still has any currency that works for, uh, in old money a thousand pounds ahead you've changed Andrew Zaltzman you know it, when we last spoke you would have had a tech press that button for you but now you're your own tech down to earth well yes yeah uh, well I mean I can't I can't take the risk of 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 really contacting any other human beings on i need to maintain my own safety as a celebrity above above all else i mean and it is difficult being a celebrity when you don't when you are locked on your own in a series of of mansions coming up today mother russia starts bottle feeding her ungrateful children new zealand and new new zealand open their borders to billionaires for movie making and speaking of billionaires we take a look at what's baking on the mars colony for elon musk get it bacon because it's the microchipped pigs who have some things to say to the people of earth also i would like to apologize to all the people i offended by talking about the last people surviving on earth as not being a very good market for me it turns out everyone's a minority now literally but before we get into the meat of this episode, some headlines of stories we won't have time for. In the news this month, the Berlusconi against Dorothy the Dinosaur cult war in Italy is heating up with the traditional running of the bulls to be replaced by a bunga bunga pasta collage party, a battle of debauchery versus arts and crafts, where nobody knows the possible outcome, but we can guarantee it'll be sticky. John Luke Roberts, uh, do you have any bets to make on who's going to win this latest battle? I think the um, it's it, the, it, it'll be the pasta side. Uh, you, you, you've got to win with the pasta. It's they're very sharp before they've been cooked, so you know you that's you're in a hiding to nothing if if you're opposite uh, <laughs> a sharpened um, uh, fettuccine. Testify. <laughs> Is that a pasta? Is that a pasta? A fettuccine. Yes. I, I reached for a pasta and I thought fettuccine. But I, it could have been a composer. I didn't know till I said it. So thank you it for is, it. Is indeed. But it actually came from the fetish scene, didn't it? Fetishini. It was it was a, a pasta designed specifically for use in S and M situations. Yeah, the raunchiest of pasta. It's... Yes, it's sort of like a, a barometer of sexiness, which yeah. is to say, it starts off hard, but if you can make it al dente, you know you're sexy enough. <laughs> Meanwhile, New Zealand is still claiming to have not noticed anything has changed in the last few months and is hoping to put out more high fantasy classic films. Any expectations for cinematic releases based on books in the near future? And how will they make their money back? Andrew Zaltzman, do you have any, any sense of what movies are coming out and whether you'll be cast in any of them? Um, it's not really a, a direction I'm looking to take my career in at the moment, Alice, being as I am locked in alone in a, in a series of, of concentric mansions. Um... Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think people will just yearn for anything from from the old days, and uh, you know, they'll, any book that's that's left. I think you know the the Oxford English Dictionary. I think would make a terrific, terrific film. You know, maybe it may just inside, just make a film of uh, Mister Tickle uh, by the, the great Roger Hargreaves. Um, I believe it's a story that needs to be told to a to to a wider audience. I mean, I know sort of you know it's it's a a little nineteen seventies in in the way it portrays male characters, but um you know I think it's it, it's definitely something that, that 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 the film industry needs to to so yeah dictionary first maybe a thesaurus as a follow up, um and then it could even do you know an, an English to French dictionary and uh, very much vice versa. But uh, dictionaries and Mister Men books, I think so I, I see that as a, in these changed circumstances, films that have a realistic chance of getting made. 
And uh, just to clarify, are you uh, currently looking at a bookshelf in which there are only dictionaries and Mr. Men books? Uh, Alice, you've you visited my house in the old days. You know exactly that's what that that's what is on my bookshelf. <laughs> and I only have a dictionary, so I can understand the Mr. Men books. <laughs> John Luke Roberts, any classic fantasy you're looking forward to seeing New New Zealand make with New Zealand in the coming months? Uh, the trouble is that I'm I'm living a classic fantasy at the moment because I'm in New Camelot, which is uh, near Heston Services, just out the end outside the M25, and I'm cohabiting with King Arthur. So if if really the escapism I want is a good gritty kitchen sink drama, it's fantasy up to my eyeballs right now here in uh, in New Camelot. So um so I'd like to say New Zealand, thanks, but no thanks. Well, there's some concern in the surviving film critic industry uh, that there will be shoehorned into classic fantasies uh, characters that are let's say uh, octopus people in the because they're doing all of the funding now for New Zealand obviously so they're going to be casting characters in order to, to provide uh, sort of tentacle propaganda in the in these sort of times uh, do you think it will ruin the classic fantasy to have tentacle characters in there my feeling actually is if you're if you're doing an adaptation of Mr Tickle that's perfect for an octopus person you've basically getting closer to Mr. Tickle than, than we could do pre-Octopus people. So I think that's great. That's, you know, that's that, that's great casting. And if you want to adapt Mr. Tickle's book, Roger Hargreaves, you know, you, you can dress up a, an octopus person in a hat to do that. <laughs> well, the pigs on Mars are refusing to let Elon Musk's escape ship land on the surface of the red planet. He's currently stuck in orbit saying things on Twitter. What's your favourite tweet of his, Andrew? Well, my, my favourite tweet of uh, Elon well, I mean he, he's been unloading on the pigs uh, in, uh, in in Twitter form it's amazing how much anti-pig vitriol one man if we may indeed call Elon Musk uh, a man or even a, a human you know how much vitriol you can cram into those 280 characters now Musk's difficulties with the pig community of course go back uh, a long time he, ha- he has not had cordial relations uh, with with pigs, particularly after launching his uh, bacon cordial um, uh, drink for for children, that really <laughs> brought things to a new low. Um, the truffle hunter auto pig, that was one of his great uh, developments uh, of last year, that really put a, a lot of pigs out of out of work when you automate tr- truffle hunting with a, a a robot that is like a pig but even better than a pig and kosher. Then of course the pigs are not going to react particularly kindly when he, he turns up on Mars wants to be want, wants to the, the e sausage as well the uh, the Elon Musk e sausage that was uh, like a sausage but without the pig and you know where do the pigs where do the pigs go from there if they if they cannot be a constituent part of the, the great sausage and he's uh, also ironically what one of the reasons why the pigs are so angry with Musk is because he has used pig technology on several of his rockets uh, the tail in particular the corkscrew effect that helps control <laughs> the aerodynamics of a rocket on re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere is based on the corkscrew tail of the classic uh, pig. And some say, some uh, evolutionary biologists claim this is actually evidence that the pigs did come from outer space and were, were specifically bred in a distant galaxy uh, to be able to enter uh, the atmosphere of planets uh, such as Earth. And in fact, the, the piggy snouts we know uh, we know now is a result of them them crash landing on Earth. They actually used to have quite long, uh, pointy pig snouts, but um, I guess uh, you know we we don't exactly know the full science on that. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're welcome to Mars. The place is a shithole. <laughs>
Well, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, some people are saying that Elon Musk has owned himself, as he owns indeed everything else, uh, by getting rid of his army en route. Of course, he left Earth with a massive uh, back catalogue of Elon Musk fanboys that he then used as fuel um, on the route to Mars. So now he's left with only a few of those, uh, presumably for food, until he can find his way down to the Red Planet and establish a base there. Of course, the pigs do not want to re-enter the zone of Elon Musk lest they be re-controlled by his Neuralink network. They've, they've formed a sort of a hive mind there and are quite happy operating independent of uh, Elon Musk's control circuit. What a way to go if you are an Elon Musk fanboy. Surely that that's the way you would want to die, isn't it? To be to be used as as fuel, to become as one with, if you will, Muskness by being used as fuel in a in a in a Musk in a Musk rocket. Surely. Look, it certainly was in the fine print of their contracts. So whether they they read it and assented, or whether they failed to read it and then deserved it. Uh, either way, we can all be happy that they are happy with their eventual outcome. John Luke Roberts, what's your favourite tweet of Elon Musk from recent days? Oh, um, it's pigs, question mark, twats, exclamation mark, hashtag Tesla. I thought he just summed it up very, very quickly, very, very well. <laughs> and I'd also, I'd like to, I know that it's fashionable to, you know, to Musk bash, but I, I'd like to come to, to Elon's defence. I think he's done great things i think that without the invention of the e-sausages we'd never have had that you know uh, we, we'd never have had that wonderful video of those military industrial dog robots stealing strings of the e-sausages and running out of the tesla factory while elon musk chased them going give me back my sausages give me back my sausages and you know i feel that it, it harks back to a a humbler time and i'd like to thank musk for that so i'd like to say musk question mark thanks exclamation mark Hashtag kindness. I mean, that is a beautiful sentiment. Of course, as with all Elon Musk things, there's a one hand and the other hand, because of course, uh, without the e-sausages, you wouldn't have had those stirring scenes. But also without the e-sausages, you wouldn't have had the yum 2K panic, uh, where everybody worried that the sausages would lose track of time. Look, if you're going to invent an e-sausage, Alice, where's the e-ketchup? I mean, this is Musk's, <laughs> kind of the arrogance of the man, let alone an e-mustard. It um, just shows, you know, he, he, he flits from one project to the next. You know, it's, it's, like, it's Andy, like a soluble submarine all over again. Let the free market do its work. Sorry, sorry. You're, you're quite right. That was foolish of me. That's all the time we have for the headlines we don't have time for because now it's time for your ads. Your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy. Sometimes you're browsing the internet or trying to escape from a totalitarian regime and you come across a geo-block or border. You need NetEscape. NetEscape, bringing you the most illegal crossing between VPN and actual national lines since Mission Impossible 10, Troll Wars. NetEscape lets you stream high-speed movies, games and blueprints while evading patrols. Go where you want, when you want and watch Game of Thrones while you're doing it. NetEscape. Some people call us grossly exploitative of vulnerable people, to which we say, it's not gross, it's net. Hot girl walking down the street, what's her secret? Probably genetics. But if it isn't, probably expensive. But if it isn't that, it's probably this one cheap trick your doctor wants to hide from you because it's lethal in 70% of attempts and technically constitutes a deal with the devil. But if it isn't, it's probably clean living and staying hydrated. Half a glass of water, the most practical step towards a beautiful life that isn't literally selling your soul. A lot can happen in the next three years. 
like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now it's time for your top story. Top story number one today, Andrew Zaltzman. Uh, we'd like to pick up a little on your post-celeb, uh, post-apocalypse vibe. How are you coping? And uh, is there any sport coming out in this new world? Well, well, let me ad- address uh, address the, the first of those those questions first, as is generally the way way to deal with with two questions. I mean, h- how am I dealing with it? What I the way I like to look at it, Alice, is how is it dealing with me? And it's dealing with me very badly because I'm alone in a mansion, um, whereas I am dealing with it really quite well because. Celebrity Alice is is a state of mind. It is it's not a state of ticket sales. It's not a state of merchandise sales, although these are available. It's not a state of the amount of public attention you get, the amount of adoration and abuse that you get when you walk the streets. Celebrity is is and you know for people like me, for for genuine celebrities, I mean, is yeah, it's a, it's a state of being. It is it is who you it's 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 baked quite literally into your into your DNA. And, and what does celebrity mean, Alice? Because celebrity means something is worthy of, of celebration. Now, are we not all worthy of celebration in ourselves, as I am alone now with, with no other humans around me? Well, yes, we are all worthy of celebration. But it happens that I am also more worthy of celebration than other people and more worthy of more celebration by more people around the world than, pe- than people like you. And that's where the celebrity listing system uh, comes in, and of course, my A-list status uh, was not due for review before obviously the, the apocalypse until 2025. So I'm still legally a celebrity, and more importantly, spiritually, uh, I I am a celebrity, um, even if I now technically don't have anyone to be a celebrity to, for, with, or or above. So, um, but, but I'm not I'm not giving up, Alice. I'm not giving up on you know, what I built for all those those decades before this all happened. I still hold a hold a daily press conference just to keep in shape um only because it's just me i, I have to ask myself all, all the questions which, which can get quite difficult to be honest you know just the other day i asked myself what's your least favorite question that you ask yourself well uh um, just the other day and i mean it did lead to a fight breaking out in the press conference and i had to break myself up fr- from myself uh when i asked um andy zaltzman um from the uh zaltzman weekly uh, when you look back on your life, Andy, uh, and the trail of broken relationships and friendships you have left in your pursuit of fame and fortune, is there anything you regret? And obviously, things, things, uh, things kicked off. I mean, yes. 
That is the kind of question that would kick you off. Uh, I know you. I've asked you difficult questions before, yeah. Andrew, and I'm glad that our friendship has survived yeah. the ensuing fist fight. Yes. Well, I mean, well, has it? But <laughs> I mean, we also have to ask. You know, what is the, the process of you know coming to terms with it? Uh, and really, you know, when you are someone of my standing, you have to cling to the values that made you what you were in the before times. In yeah, in the real times, as I like to, and I cling to those values. So, you know, things like uh, you know what we do in this life echoes in the next twenty-four hour news cycle. Very much an updating of the great uh, Roman philosopher statesman Maximus Decimus Meridius. Um, all people are created equal. Uh, I mean, we cling to that, uh, and also the second half of that saying, which is, but from pretty much immediately after being created, some people become much better than everyone else. Uh, deal with it, losers. And also, stay humble, watch it crumble. Because <laughs> uh, you have to believe you're special, because if you don't believe you or yourself are special, other people won't believe. It's like when you're trying to stop an ox from trampling over your garden. If it can sense fear, it's going to shit on your daffodils. Uh, I mean, that is... What's the second question? The sports. The second question I asked Andrew Zaltzman was, I know that you are a, a sports fan and you've been following the new leagues, uh, the new sports, the new uh, inventions of the post-apocalyptic era. Yes. What is, you know, what's the sports landscape looking like now? Who's competing with whom? What are the sports that they are playing? Who, who are you following? Who are you barracking for? It, there's been very much an existential crisis in, in the whole world of sport. Uh, famously, um, it was said that uh, sport is war minus the shooting. Um, if you flip that equation around, war is sport plus shooting. Shooting is war minus sport, and sport is the square root of war minus shooting, <laughs> brackets shooting over fighting times pi cubed over y, where y is offside. So it's 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 all a bit confusing for sport. One sport that has done very well, uh, interestingly, um, is uh, ice hockey, uh, because uh, most of the population of Canada made it to Antarctica. Um, incredibly it shows what a resourceful nation the canadians are and they are currently playing the world's biggest ice hockey game with tiny goals at either end of the ross ice shelf some 500 miles apart and at one point yesterday <laughs> there were 3500 simultaneous fights going on uh, on the ice uh, during i mean it's a nightmare to referee but it has kept canada alive and well as a, as a country other than that we've seen um, a process of uh, you know the democratization of of sport in many ways because a lot of the old sports obviously have died football ceased to exist when that there wasn't enough money left around and there was therefore no point oh, really? in, in carrying on with it other sport i always thought it was a doomed sport i figured at some point they'd realize they could use their hands well i mean i think that point happened early in the 19th century uh, and um at rugby school and and rugby uh, evolved obviously the, you know the one true sport uh, cricket uh, exists in a kind of timeless state of perfection. So it's not really affected by apocalypses. It has always existed since the very dawn of time. Many people think the Big Bang was actually God bowling an in-swinging Yorker at himself. But the democratisation of sport is you, you have the, the you know, communities of, of people gathering around you know, to try and survive and uh, you know, little democratic structures building up. So they're designing their own sport where each person chooses one bit of the new sport that that tribe will will play so uh, i mean if we like we can try and develop a new sport r right now if you want so uh, i mean uh, i mean sport by committee my two favorite right. things well exactly I mean, so choose choose a ball <laughs> to use in our new sport alice uh well i mean it, let's let's go with a human head plenty of them lying around a human head uh, john luke choose an implement to hit the human head with a human leg a human leg so we're using 
dismembered legs hitting dismembered heads. Dismembered, yes, dismembered. Dismembered, uh, dismembered. So it's not attached still to a, a human. No, no. Okay. No, no. Um, uh, so I'm going to choose the the pitch, uh, which is going to be uh, a, a forest on a special 50 meter by 50 meter platform with bears in it. Um, Alice, are you going to choose a, a goal, a, a form of goal for this new sport? Uh, sure. Why not a, a pit with spikes in it? A pit with spikes. So you have to get, you have to get the human head into the pit with spikes through the forest, avoiding the bears. Uh, uh, how many uh, players on each side, John Luke? Um, one on one side right. and fifty on the okay, other. Okay, so basically, what we're what we're what we're having here is, you know, it's I mean, it's it's turning it's turning dark. But I mean, that's the, the nature of the world. <laughs> We live in. Um, uh, and who's going to referee this, Alice? I mean, at the, at this point, I think you're the only person who could track the rules. Okay, so I will. I will referee fifty people uh, against one person, all armed with dismembered human legs, trying to hit a human head into a pit full of spikes uh, in a forest on a ledge, populated by vicious bears. And uh, all sports have to have a curious, unknowable law, and that law is that if uh, anyone breathes out whilst hitting the head with a leg without raising their left arm and touching one of the trees that is an automatic uh, free kick to the other team so that when I mean, that shows sport is very it's become very dynamic and people are adapting to these difficult circumstances that we all live in but sport sport well sport is you know it is god created humanity to play sport that's i mean i think that's very much the subtext of the bible if i remember it rightly although i did used to uh, tuck copies of cricket magazines into the bible uh when uh, i went to synagogue um so uh, <laughs> but anyway but the point is sport sport will live on alice they were too busy trying to reconvert you to judaism to interfere with your reading habits now it's time for our top story on royalty john luke roberts his royal highness you are currently in new camelot uh with mm -hmm. king arthur trying to decide which of you will rule what remains of the United Kingdom, or at the very least, yeah. uh, England. How's that going? What does that look like? Well, it's not been easy. You know, we're both very strong-willed uh, kings. Uh, uh, he, at the moment, we're arguing about what the title should be. He thinks his title should be King Arthur. My title should be Deputy King Arthur. But it's just, it's tricky to, <laughs> it's been tricky to pin it down. Obviously, the rest of the royal family all wiped out um, by that apocalyptic uh, electrical storm, I think, while they were having a photograph. So we also had to deal with John Goodman turning up to say, well, I think I'm meant to be king. I remember that film that I did, and, and this is what happens. Um, we had to explain that the rules weren't, weren't like that anymore um basically at the moment we're cohabiting we've come up with this system of decision making whereby whoever can pull the sword out of the stone gets to make the decision so we have this warehouse full of stones full of swords a sword per stone uh, labeled with different things like one will be healthcare. Um, one will be labelled with monetary system, you know, one will be labelled with releasing wolves, yes or no. And we both take it in turns to see if we can pull the sword out. And whoever pulls the sword out gets to make the decision on, on what we should do on that front. And how's it uh, coming out? Well, I, he is better, I think, at uh, pulling swords out of stones. That's definitely, yeah, he's had practice. Um, I still managed to get the odd one or two. Uh, swords out although it, it, it's about one in ten for me at the moment nine in ten for king arthur i do i've i do sort of wonder if he's loosened them for me first just to sort of give me a bit of a self-esteem boost 
Um, but at, at any rate, yeah, we're getting by. We've got the round table again, so it doesn't feel so unequal. Although um, the round table is is sort of it's cylindrical and about nine feet long and tilted. So he's at the top of the of the round table. I'm very much at the bottom of the round round table most of the time. But we're, that sounds like a water slide. Well, unfortunately, um, he does. He he throws a lot of water on me, um, but it's more like waterboarding, I think, than right. um, than than you know fun fun flume time. Can I, can I just um, ask? John Luke, you know, it's been a while since I've been in touch with uh, with with Arthur. Once he's, is it? Do you not have an unfair advantage? Once he's pulled the first sword out of the first rock, that he can then threaten you with his sword not to pull out further swords from from further rocks. I mean, how collaborative is this? It seems it it sounds like he holds very much not only all the all the cards, but literally all the swords. All the swords. You know, that's true. Although I will say the guns are loose, so you know he can be coming at me with a with a sword, but I've got a I've brought a, a gun to a I've brought a heap of guns actually to to a sword and stone fight. Right. Well, also, um, unfortunately, uh, you can only ever really wield at maximum two swords at a time, uh, and you know two guns. Really. Oh no, I will say he's he's he can hold. He's very he's got very strong jaws. So he can hold a third there, and he's really been working on his squats. So occasionally he does um, he does come at me holding the sword between his buttocks uh, and wiggling that around. But that's more that's sort of that's more a party trick than than anything else. I don't find it particularly threatening. Is it possible to lift up the, the rock with the sword in and sort of use use it like a big cudgel or not? Would that not be just as easy for everyone? I did try that. Right. Um, I got unfortunately the backswing was fine. I got the sword and the stone up, but then I t- I fell over backwards because the stone right. was ultimately very heavy. So the momentum, I mean, I fell off. I, what would I'd say a small cliff, but you know, cliffs only get so small. So that wasn't great. Right. Um, yeah, we do get on. I, I'd say you know, there's obviously this power imbalance, but we generally get on. I've been trying to introduce him to all the culture he missed while he was buried in the earth, which obviously thousands of years of it. Um, we've reached a kind of sticky patch at the moment where we're just reading um, restoration plays together. He really likes the restoration comedy, so we just sit down and, and take the different parts. At the moment, we're midway through the fop, the feather, and the fart. Um, he's having a, a whale of a time, but I'm not enjoying it quite so much. Um, just in, ter- in terms of Alfred coming to terms with the, the modern the modern age, he of course lived in an age of of chivalry, and you know humanity has not always maintained that level of. Uh, good behaviour between the, the, the male species and the female species. Uh, so, I mean, how, how does Alfred see where we are now in the context of of, of Me Too and the rebalancing of, of gender politics? Well, of course, the rebalancing of gender politics has been has been kind of helped by most people being wiped out. So, True. you know, the, it's not lovely that, there's not so line. many men to deal with so many women and so many women to deal with so many men. I'd say that Arthur is... Um, He's not coped well because when you're king and all-powerful back in medieval times, chivalry is actually quite easy. You know, there's not much you have to do. There's not much you have to... You, you don't... You just smile at someone that sort of chivalrous enough. They're the ones who have to walk out of rooms backwards. The King Arthur has never walked out of a room um, backwards <laughs> as far as I can see. He, he's tried it once just to be sort of... I think he was trying to be nice, but it came over as patronising. <laughs> and he tripped over a, one of the stones which was lying around. Uh, Well, that's all the time we have for our second top story for today, because now it's time for your ads again. Your ad section now, because how else would we break up the days? 
Now being adapted to Netflix, the best-selling work from the online bestseller and self-published romance maven Dancy Lagarde, after generations of being derided, kept out of bestseller lists by bigoted intellectuals who refused to respect female desire as a le legitimate forum for literary expression, historical romance with a supernatural twist is having its day in the mainstream sun. Coming soon to your local streaming service, Storm in a Tea Count is the Victorian romantic thriller that will leave your panties in an inextricable, inexplicable, upsettingly damp knot. Escaping an unwanted arranged marriage disguised as a boy, Annalise is the wealthy daughter of a merchant, sold off to an aristocrat to improve her family's social standing in exchange for her dowry, which will repair the ruined estates of the sinister and rakish Duke of Harberton. But less than three miles into her headlong flight from the sinister Duke's estate, she stumbles upon a gentleman in the throes of being held up by a highwayman. Though she knows she should not stop, Annalise hits the highwayman with a sentimental bass <laughs> that she brought along on her escape before swooning in the powerful arms of the mysterious rescued nobleman. Though she fears exposure as a girl, he accepts her story without question, and she is swiftly and passionately hired as a footman to the very duke she was meant to be escaping. Hadrian is the Duke of Harberton. Thick-thighed, strong-willed and experimentally bisexual, he has carefully cultivated his reputation as a rake in order to fool the world into underestimating him while he tries to repair his family's ruined fortune through trade with the Indies, the ethics of which we will not closely examine. But it's not until a delicate boy saves his life with an inexplicable vase that Hadrian finds his perfect match. But the boy, Antony, is not of his social class, so it would be wrong to try to finger him on a horse. <laughs> Can Hadrian resist this sexy stripling, stripling whose long-lashed eyes send sensual semaphore signals to his heart and groin? How will Annalise reassure her family that she is safe from ruin when she is living disguised and unwed in the very halls from which she fled? Will they be discovered mid-moment and forced to wed in a way they both secretly want, but to which they will both strenuously object in the moment, giving the false mutual impression that they don't love each other, even though they do, and leading to much incredibly pointless heartache and misunderstanding? Find out in Storm and a Tea Count, coming soon to Netflix. Will you be watching that, John Luke? Oh, yeah, um, I, I will be avoiding it like the plague. Andrew Zaltzman, uh, are you being cast in this? Uh, well, not unless I can write a part for someone who's refusing to emerge from uh, a series of concentric mansions, then no, I will not be taking a part of it. But obviously I have great respect for, uh, for Lagarde's, Lagarde's work, um, even though I do find some of it a little bit derivative of uh, Elizabeth Gaskell's prime, largely unpublished works <laughs> in the mid-19th century. Of course, there is some controversy about this this filmed translation. Uh, people are talking about the uh, cross-racial casting in that all, or many of the black background figures and, and parent figures are being played by tentacled uh, octopus people from New New Zealand, of course, to help fund the production. Well, but that's just the way of, the way of films, isn't it? That, you know, that for example, in um, the film Cats, that um, the before times didn't, didn't do tremendously well, they they had to film humans because humans have got the most powerful agents. You know, cats can turn up, obviously be perfect for the role. That's not really what shifts tickets, is it? Not at all. Also, when when it octopuses, the um, the octopus remake of Jesus Christ Superstar, the that brings, I mean that. The logistics of crucifying an octopus was something I hadn't really thought of before. <laughs> before that film, but... well, it's basically a big asterisk. Yeah, yeah it? it was. Yeah. A wooden asterisk you have to impale it. It on. rolled down the hill at the end. <laughs> There's something quite. Because of, um, you know, uh, green screen, CGI, the motion capture thing, if you get the right 
like blue suit on the octopus with all the balls down it, you can actually make an octopus into four different people at the same time because of the number of of limbs they have. So actually, it's quite it's a more efficient way of filming than using humans. Um, yeah, and also octopuses can do a glove puppet production of eight rugby players discussing line-out tactics. No other species can do that. <laughs> Breaking news out of Russia now. Apparently, Navalny has arisen uh, from the ruins of the military prison that he was imprisoned in uh, and is now a huge benevolent mutant after too many poisoning attempts from Putin. He has risen and challenged uh, Putin to a bare-chested horse race. Uh, any speculation, boys, on how this is going to turn out for Mother Russia? Well, I mean, you know, what, why do the horses have to be bare-chested? Why is it always, you know, the horses are expected to show a bit of cleavage um, <laughs> in a race between two egomaniacs? I don't see... I, I think it's the gentlemen who are it? going to be bare-chested oh. and they'll get extra points right. uh, for how manly they are. Well, I mean, it was interesting about, about Putin. The, the, the news is that, I mean, he's now vowed to be permanently bare-chested to bring some hope to the the people of the remaining people of of russia and he actually uh, i've heard has a range of chests of varying degrees of insulation <laughs> that he uses for the different seasons of russia obviously renowned for its brutal winters um so he has one that, that you know has special insulated cavities and in i mean it does make him appear to be five and a half meters wide but it's still a bare very manly a very <laughs> wide manly but warm warm chest uh, and he also has armored bear chests for special occasions uh, as well but uh, but from Navalny's point of view it's great to have a benevolent mutant isn't it i mean it's you kind of feeling that mutants over history would have been more popular if they'd played the benevolent card a little more often so i think this this is quite an exciting development i mean it is a delightful thing in this post-apocalyptic world so many of the mutants that have emerged have just wanted to smash up buildings and you know steal young women and, and do that kind of thing so it is really nice to see a benevolent mutant arise radiating uh, goodwill from his many 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 eyes uh, we can only hope that he will um continue in his benevolent attitude towards things. John Luke, do you have any bets? Sorry, Alice, is, are you sure it's goodwill that he's radiating from his eyes? Was he, because I heard he was near one of the nuclear power plants that, that, that got sadly destroyed in the, in, the, in the apocalypse. Are we sure it's definitely goodwill, or could it just be lethal radiation? I mean, certainly the extremely reliable sources uh, that I have heard from, which is mainly Russian bots, um, indicate that it is goodwill. Reassuring. Yes. Uh, John Luke, any bets to place on this bare-chested horse race and who will emerge uh, victorious? Obviously, you are currently in a race for who's going to be the, the most king of England. Um, yeah. So you might have some inside knowledge on, on how leadership decisions are made in this new world. My feeling is I'm just hoping that I can keep the news of this um, giant mutant benevolent Navalny away from King Arthur uh, because he won't like it. He won't like it. <laughs> emerging a new ruler, emerging after a long time undergrad. He doesn't, you know. He'll he'll say plagiarism. He'll probably try and take it to the courts, which of course there aren't many left of nowadays. It's mainly just you know there's there some set up around fires, but I I don't really think I'd trust them to make any really just decisions. But I, I mean, he loves courts, doesn't he? The King Arthur just surrounding himself with judges and admin at all times. Yes, but all we've got access to here in New Camelot uh, in Heston Services, just outside the M25, um, is a series of rats. So we, we've got rats. We have sort of trained some of the rats, knighted quite a few. 
so we've got the round cylindrical table. The rats just kind of run around it while we're on it. And he will, you know, he likes to play like it's the old days and go, ha, 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 Sir Featherington, it's good to see you again. I see you have thwarted the old, uh, the old uh, crone. And then um, the rat will run away. And he gets the names mixed up. He often names different rats the same things. I, it's sad to see a once great man reduced to this. Can you put a chastity belt on a lady rat or not? Well, I don't know what the logistics of that are. God knows we've tried. <laughs> right. we, we, have to, we have tried. Um, we can get them on, but unfortunately they don't stay on right. um, because we've not yet mongered them to the right scale. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, interestingly, that, 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 when you mentioned rats, the, what I heard is that Putin is going to try to trap the giant mutant Alexei Navalny with, um, with a giant Navalny trap that is baited with uh, with cheese. So it'd be interesting to see if that if that you know that old kind of reusing old technology in the modern world uh, bears bears vicious fruit. I mean, we will just have to wait and see what emerges uh, from the Siberian permafrost at the end of this uh, bare-chested race, whose nipples will break the uh, sound barrier first. <laughs> that was actually that was that was. I mean, this was the annoying thing about the apocalypse: that whose nipples will break the sound barrier first was a documentary that was three quarters of the way finished when obviously essentially the world world as a functioning entity ended. That was one of my best ever programs. Well that's all the time we have for breaking news. Now we're on to our third top story, John Luke Roberts language. Apparently right. you and King Arthur have been working on some uh, post English languages for for the realm. Can yeah. you t- tell us a bit about that? Yeah I will I mean we were We've been going through, as I said, we've been going through the historical periods between when he was put in a hill and the, the door closed. I don't know if, it, if you'd call it a door. It's a bit of turf really laid over the top. Uh, a thousand years gone past. He's just found the bit of history about Esperanto. Uh, and he discovered that there was this language made to bring hope to people of the world. And he said, well, you know what? I think we should pick this up. Um, we should try and unite the world by by building a new language and sending it everywhere. And it will be a good um, a good uh, leveller for everyone. But I want to make it feudal so everyone knows I'm in charge. So I, I, I want to make a proper Arthurian language. And I said, well, I'm king as well. And he said, yes, but you're also um, King Arthur, you're Deputy King Arthur. So we share a name. So that's fine. So we sort of we sat down. We've been working at it. <laughs> I mean, as I say, it's quite hard because he, he wants to spend most of his time just reading out the, the Restoration comedy plays. Um, so at the moment we're on Lady Cotterton's box and then I know we've got the Squabblers to do, then don't forget the harpsichord before we move on to <laughs> what's that in the Baron's arsehole. And at that point, hopefully, finally, we can we can really get down to building this language because I will say so far, for all the hours we've spent on it, we have only come up with three three words. Um, would you like to hear them? Yes, please. Okay, so the first word is um, it's to replace the word inconvenient, and that word we we came up with is strub couple, uh, and that was very much we worked on that together. He said strub, I said couple, um, there, and then unfortunately we had to take the afternoon off to read a most delectable day. Then the next week we were able to come back, uh, and we came up with a word for semi-detached house which we decided on doppelplass and um king arthur came up with the doppelpla and i came up with the ass at the end <laughs> now you've probably noticed these aren't very useful words you know they're, they're reasonably um we could have got by without them you can point at a semi-detached house or you can point at a detached house and say well imagine that but there's another house on it you know you don't need <laughs> new language to do that 
So, um, after reading Hats for a Halfpenny, we did finally get round to, and I was very excited about this. Say, Look, let's do, let's get to the nitty gritty. We need a word for B, you know, you know, B, the word B, like to exist, to, um, uh, to, to, to live, you know, except I am, you are, you, that's the word. So, um, we sat down, took quite a long time. We came up with the word cuddle striper with a sting at the end. And I've just realised that Arthur was talking about B, the insect, um, not the... <laughs> Not the verb. So uh, we're going to have to go back and do something more, more with that. I well, it's, I mean, it's interesting on you know, this this talk of the evolution of, of language, that play, the famous play, what, what's that in the... Was it What's That in the Duke's Arsehole? Or The Baron's Arsehole? Yes, uh, What's That in the Baron's Arsehole? What's That in the Duke's Arsehole was a boldization of the original. It's a it's it's a much weaker piece. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. So I'm getting mixed up. But uh, I mean, that just shows how language yeah. evolves, because, of course, Arsehole in those yeah. days was actually a pit in the ground in which uh, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. nobility would hide their least attractive beasts of burden, generally a donkey or an ass. Um, yes. The asshole yeah, was was the pit in which you know the unsightly creatures were were kept. You, you know, I I've just it's only just dawned on me that asshole has another another meaning. God, that would be <laughs> that would be a funny thing, wouldn't it? Have had that uh, the before times modern. I'd forgotten it. I'd forgotten it. Wow. Yeah, interesting bit of etymological yeah. history there. Actually, the the name for the hole in the ground that was full of ugly animals only got applied to the human uh, hole after the uh, horse shooting plague of 1642, where people did poos that looked like very ugly animals, which is to say, a lot more beautiful yeah. than your normal poo, um, <laughs> but, but actually, but that, still disconcerting. That, that's what really sparked the English Civil War to, to take off in earnest in, in, in 1642 was the was was the horse shits and the you know the disagreement between roundheads and cavaliers over whether or not they were works of arts or works of nature yeah, yeah. I, ha- I mean I have to say gentlemen it is always lovely to talk to people who have equally good educations uh, to, to myself <laughs> so it's a real pleasure We're winding up towards the end of the show. Do, do either of you have any more news from where you are right now? Andrew Goldsman, what continent is your matryoshka house on? Uh, wh- why should I tell you that, Alice? I mean, I've I've constructed this hideaway per- perfectly, and I know some of our, our our viewers have been asking this this question as well. I'm not I'm not going to you know I, I I'm enjoying my my new privacy whilst maintaining the level of. In fact, I've never been more famous than I am now because I'm the only person in my life and I've heard of myself. So that's 100% of, uh, of people in my world have, have, uh, have heard of me. So, uh, yeah, that's um, you know, it's really as good as it comes. So I don't, I don't, want, I don't want that level of fame to be ruptured by people hearing where I live and camping outside <laughs> just trying to get a photo and an autograph or maybe uh, some, uh, some underwear hurled out the window, signed, of course. So I'm, not, I'm going to tell you where I am. This, 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 is, this is my my realm. Let me live in it. Well, finally, uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, I would like any of your thoughts on what is going to happen uh, with the Boris Johnson, uh, Piers Morgan, where dragon baby love child. Now that it has destroyed the world in its first week of life, what do you think is next for the champion? How will it? How will it hit those highs? What's it going to go into next? What does retirement look like for a baby? John Luke. I think like a woman in Hollywood, it will be rested for a few years and then and then brought back. So I think for the time being, we don't need to think <laughs> about it. Um, it's had its big 
it's had its big shot. The public will turn quickly if it tries to do too much too quickly. So I think I think we're probably looking at the love child spending a few years in various spas, maybe writing a book. Uh, I've heard that the, the love child's uh, special advisor, uh, who, who of course it sacked a short while ago, could could turn on the love child with some uh, horrific stories about what it's uh, what it's done behind the scenes. Obviously, in front of the scenes, it's pretty much destroyed the world. But it just makes you think: what on earth is going on behind the scenes with those with those genes? <laughs> you've got to really you've got to be worried, haven't you? Yeah, every time a big story comes out, you think, well, they're distracting us from something. Exactly. And to distract us with the end of the world. That, what is that covering up? I mean, that's <laughs> that yeah, that could be huge. That could be the biggest story of, uh, of all, with all due respect to King Arthur, pulling the uh, the sword out of the stone the very the very first time. But I think that could be the biggest story in the history of uh, history of the universe. Well, that's all the time we have for the show today. Thank you for listening to The Last Post today or watching it if you're there in the other dimension. We're here in your ears every month of this year. And uh, your guests today were John Luke Roberts and Andrew Zaltzman. John Luke Roberts, have you got anything to plug? My record is coming out in June called It Is Better. Um, that's a new stand-up hour. And my podcast is coming out hopefully sometime soon, but I don't really know when. It's called The Sound Team. And it's good. And it's good. Uh, Andrew Zaltzman, anything to plug? Well, as um, I believe Franklin D. Roosevelt himself once said, I have nothing to plug but plugs themselves. <laughs> um, I'm producing an album of my greatest plugs for other things that I've had uh, coming out called Zoltz Plugs, uh, and that is uh, due out now with a, with a range of merch as well. The, uh, the Zoltz Plugs uh, will be available from certain types of shops. Uh, near you but that, that, that should be out um, I'm looking to plug it as much as possible at the moment uh, and in fact that this bit is going on the end of the record uh, it's going to be out in, in literally minutes I mean that is magnificent I've just got a, another tweet on the hashtag Hagao on Twitter another Alice Fraser from the other dimension has got in touch said in her dimension she makes a show called The Gargle which is weekly a spin-off of The Bugle the glossy magazine to The Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world Thank you, Alice Fraser there, and I appreciate you hooking us up with the glitch in the space-time continuum for this show. The Last Post is an Alice Fraser and the Bugle Podcasts production. I am Alice Fraser. Find me online at, at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Or for a one-stop shop of all of my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs, sign up on patreon.com slash Alice Fraser for behind-the-scenes past to my glamorous life. The executive producer of this podcast is Christopher D. Skinner. His sub-producer, the editor, and the iron fist inside his velvet glove is the inimitable pet hunter... As we always say, good luck to you, Christopher, and I'll talk to you again next month. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. The Last Post with Alice Fraser.